0: Thursday, April 28th, 2022, the 463rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get into more serious subjects, let's just check on the state of things with the enfeebled usurper of the free world, Joe Biden, who has now decided to use the weight and power of the United States federal government to seize property and assets from Russian oligarchs, because apparently that's what war is now. This is the new way to support the comedic actor and hashtag stand with Ukraine. Their line effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains we're going to accommodate them we're going to seize their yachts their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of putin's kleptocracy uh, yeah kleptocracy and clip klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys this legislative pack is it's actually even worse on video because you can see him trying to struggle through this and then go with overconfidence and humor. He just starts laughing like, come on, man, you know the thing. He's staring at the teleprompter, begging it for help. And he's trying to sound like a tough guy. Imagine being Vladimir Putin and watching that. That clip is up in the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator. Go save that video onto your phone. It's 30 seconds long. Send it to everybody. Everyone needs to see what these communists voted for. And it's that. That's who Joe Biden really is. No idea what's going on was always too dumb to discuss any of these subjects in a real way. And now the dementia piles on top of how dumb Joe Biden actually is. Joe Biden, even looking past all of his corruption and compromise, is still a national security threat. The fake president should not have a security clearance. And who knows? Honestly, maybe he doesn't. He never seems to know what's going on anywhere in the world, and neither does the rest of his administration. So they're either just blatantly lying, which is the most likely answer, or they're not getting any information in the first place, which is totally possible. And I know a lot of people think that sounds crazy. But hey, a couple weeks ago, NBC News told us that the intel communities were just Declassifying this information so that they could put it out, even though it wasn't true. They were going to stop the Russians by tricking the American public and the citizens of all Western countries who are still force fed the central narrative through the news. Putin is going to back down because American citizens have been tricked by the illegitimate American government that is what they want us to believe. And by the way, I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times, but it's good to repeat every now and then. We pretend that there is some case that can be made because Joe Biden is called the president that would support the idea that Joe Biden actually won a legitimate election and got 81 million real legal American votes that the electors were properly certified, and that Joe Biden was properly inaugurated. None of those things are true. They're all premised on fraud. So our society, the sorts of people who would believe that the intel community was operating some grand scheme, lie to the American public, it's going to stop Putin. Those kinds of people believe that Joe Biden is a legitimate president. But Vladimir Putin doesn't. Xi Jinping doesn't. The world leaders, all of whom are ostensibly our adversaries, the leaders of these adversarial nations, they don't get their information from NBC News and CNN and The Washington Post and your dumb friends on Instagram. They get real information. They don't have doubts about whether or not Joe Biden actually won the election, They know Joe Biden did not win the American election. We always act like these pieces of information, these critical pieces of information, because they're not fully accepted by the American public, because our friends and family members, our neighbors don't understand all of these things to be true. We act like that's the extent of world knowledge. Well, yeah, we have some doubts about Joe Biden, but as you can see, he's the president, so he must have won and therefore he must have gotten the 81 million real legal American votes. You can see him there pretending to be president. That means everything else just must be true. It shouldn't be questioned. We've passed that point. Now it doesn't matter. Joe Biden just is the president. Do world leaders believe that? Of course not. It's ridiculous. Now we were talking about some of the work the U.S intel community is doing in preparing targets for the quote unquote Ukrainian military, which is really being misdescribed. What we have are Ukrainian neo-Nazi militias, military contractors and mercenaries from around the world and various parts of foreign military establishments, all aligned with the global communist order, that is who is fighting in Ukraine against the Russian special military operation. So we discussed some of that yesterday. As soon as I put the show up within an hour, the Daily Mail dropped another article. U.S. spies have been helping Ukraine military with intelligence to track Russian movements in the country where at least eight of Putin's generals have died. U.S. spies have been helping Ukraine's military with intelligence about the movements of its Kremlin invaders, and at least eight generals have been killed. Officials revealed to NBC News on Tuesday that American intelligence played a crucial role in the country's successful campaign so far and have helped the Ukrainian government by repeatedly flagging the time and location of Putin's planned strikes. From the get go, we leaned pretty heavily forward in sharing both strategic and actionable intelligence with Ukraine, an unnamed U.S. official who agreed to speak to the outlet under the condition of anonymity said it's been impactful, both at a tactical and strategic level. There are examples where you could tell a pretty clear story that this made a difference. And not to rehash what I discussed yesterday, but the idea that our military and military assets or our intel community or anything else, the idea that they're helping one side in a war that does not include our allies, foreign countries over what we're told is a border dispute. Essentially, we are engaging a nuclear armed adversary on an actual battlefield And pretending that we're all hands off about it so that American citizens don't actually get fully upset so that they don't realize what's really going on. We'll just distract them with the comedic actor. Close the sky for me. I need seven billion dollars. And yeah, I'm going to say something crazy right now. And I know it's crazy, but it's also funny. And so I'm going to say it. George Soros's eye bags look like Hillary Clinton's eye bags. And both of them look like Vladimir Zelensky's eye bags. Now, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton is George Soros's demon spawn. And I'm not saying that the comedic actor is Hillary Clinton's demon spawn. I'm just saying they look a lot alike and their ages kind of fit. And certainly their priorities are all directly in alignment. I'm just saying. So this war that we are not in and this war that. Ukraine, in quotes, has absolutely no chance of winning, we've now been told we are involved in so that we can weaken Russian forces. Our goal now is to degrade the Russian military. And they're not even saying this as a secret anymore. First, we were there to defend Ukraine's sovereign borders by the same people who didn't care very much that we overthrew their government in 2014. But yes, we have to defend their very, very sovereign borders that have no real historical precedent. They were just decided upon by the international community. And then Russia was told, deal with it. And hey, that's how countries get drawn. It is what it is. But there are still ethnic Russians, Russian speaking people, in Ukraine, in those territories where a civil war has been waged for the last eight years. We do not need to pretend this was ever about Ukraine's sovereign border. And of course it wasn't. Immediately after the special military operation began, we switched priorities. Now we're protecting Ukrainian citizens from Vladimir Putin, who is Essentially, Hitler, even though it's the other side with Nazis, the side that we're supporting, the side that George Soros is supporting, the side Hillary Clinton is supporting, the side the fake president is supporting. They have the Nazis, but Putin is Hitler, so we need to protect the Ukrainian people. It's a big country invading a small country, so we have to protect the small country. We've got to get behind the underdog. But now our priority is simply to degrade Russia's military. So now we have given ourselves license to attack Russian targets with proxy forces, pretend it's not us doing it and say all of this is justified because it's helping to save the lives of Ukrainian citizens. And even just accepting that ridiculous premise, not that they've brought that to the American people and asked them if that's something they support. It is very clear by the polling they do not. Only 6% of Americans list Ukraine as their number one priority. It has now been made clear that the point of all this is to attack Russians in Ukraine rather than in Russia, because this sounds like it has some sort of excuse for the United States to be involved there. And it doesn't. They're not there saving Ukrainian citizens. Ukrainian Nazis are more of a threat to Ukrainian citizens than the Russians are. And nothing could be more obvious. But back to the article. A former senior intelligence official also told NBC News of the de facto alliance. There's been a lot of real-time intelligence sharing in terms of things that could be used for specific targeting of Russian forces. The ex-official revealed that much of the funneled information consists of commercial satellite images, but a lot of other intelligence about, for example... Where certain types of Russian units are active on Tuesday, an analysis by independent Russian outlet Media Zona revealed that three hundred seventeen officers of junior lieutenant rank and above have been killed in Putin's so far failed invasion in a little over two months of fighting. At least eight generals have been killed. Almost a third of the casualties came from the most senior grades, major or above, including a slew of generals and the deputy commander of Russia's Black Sea Fleet. Last week, in one of the most recent blows to the larger and better equipped Russian war machine, Moscow admitted yet another officer, Colonel Mikhail Nagamov, has been killed in action on April 13th, reportedly the 35th colonel to do so. His death was announced just hours after the death of Alexander Cherva the captain of the Caesar Kunikov tank landing ship, which was blown up by a Ukrainian airstrike in the port of Berdyansk. Major General Vladimir Frolov, meanwhile, the deputy commander of the Eighth Combined Arms Army and one of Putin's most senior officers, was also killed earlier this month, the eighth general to die in conflict. The steady stream of high-ranking soldier deaths Comes as it's been estimated that between 15,000 and 22,000 Russian troops have been slain in combat by Volodymyr Zelensky's army, with Moscow only owning up to a fraction of those deaths. All right, we can leave off the article here. You can obviously find that and read the rest if you like. What are we being told? We're being told that Russia's invasion is failed. They said that in no uncertain terms. That is Quite clearly not true. There is no way to paint this situation as Russia failing unless you accept what the television says about Russia's initial goals, which are to take over all of Ukraine and reform the Soviet Union. There has been no indication from the Russian side that that is actually what's going on there. And we are continually told that after they take over Ukraine, they're going to move on to other former Soviet bloc countries and take them over too. And so now we're going to need forces coming in from Poland and Romania so that they can seize part of their historical territory as well. And their NATO countries, which means maybe we can start a NATO war and then the United States can go all in. It's pretty easy to see what's going on here, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with protecting Ukrainian citizens or the sovereignty of Ukraine's eastern border. Now, we are also being told that in this conflict, the Ukrainians have just magically taken out all of these high level senior officers in Russia's military. Is that what's happening because they don't describe how any of this is happening. Yes, yeah, sure, there was an attack on a ship. Got it. Okay, that's fair. But how the hell are they getting all of these other high-level Russian officials? They all just happen to die in battle where other officials are dying? Because this sounds more like they are being targeted for assassinations by special forces units. Now, this is speculation on my part. And I'm saying that right up front, Okay. But that's what it sounds like, because we're not hearing stories about big strikes or extended battles where somehow the Ukrainian forces overtake the Russian forces and then finally kill high ranking officers in Russia's military. Why aren't we being told that? It sounds like the global communists are playing a very dangerous game. With a nuclear armed Russia and a Vladimir Putin who has said in no uncertain terms that he is going to do whatever is necessary to protect Russia and Russian interests. And we have a half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president there to respond. But Russia is failing. That's what we're told. Russia's failed invasion. Now, one of the first steps of our success, we were told, was the sanctions that we had imposed on Russia, the most crippling sanctions of all time. We're going to destroy the ruble. Jen Psaki went out every day and bragged about how poorly the ruble was doing. Will that crush Russian citizens and do nothing to prevent Vladimir Putin from executing the special military operation? No, of course not. But it's harming the people. So that's That's a success. Well, now the ruble is stronger than it was before the special military operation began. So the sanctions did absolutely nothing to deter Putin. They harmed the citizens. And now that harm has ceased. The sanctions did nothing. And Putin has moved himself further away from the central banking system. That is nothing but a success for Vladimir Putin. Now, Putin also said to the EU that if you still want Russian oil and gas, you're going to have to pay for it in rubles, which he has pinned to gold. This is today from Business Insider. These top European energy companies are set to pay for Russian gas in rubles to meet Putin's demands, despite EU warnings. Are they just warnings? No. They're EU sanctions, and companies in the EU don't care they're gonna buy the gas in rubles anyway, because the sanctions are nonsense. Companies in Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Slovakia are set to meet the Kremlin's demand that natural customers register for a new payment mechanism that facilitates ruble payments, the Financial Times reported. Despite warnings from the European Union that such payments would violate sanctions, distributors in the four EU nations are preparing to register with Gazprom Bank in Switzerland, sources told the Financial Times, to meet the ruble payment requirement. Two of the largest importers of Russian gas are said to be participating, Dusseldorf-based Uniper and Vienna-based OMV. And by the end of May, Italy's Eni May sign up for the ruble payments as well, though it is considering its options, according to the FT. On Wednesday, Bloomberg reported four European natural gas buyers have already paid Russia in rubles for supplies, though it didn't mention which ones. Putin threatened last month to cut off gas supplies to nations that did not pay in rubles. On Wednesday, Russia halted attempts to Poland and Bulgaria triggering a 28% surge in European gas prices. Gazprom said the stoppage occurred because the two nations didn't offer payment in rubles. For nations complying with the new ruble payment scheme, they must pay Gazprom Bank in euro-denominated deposits, which the firm would then convert to rubles in a second account opened in their name. Earlier this week, however, Gazprom Bank rejected a ruble payment from a trading firm Germany had seized from Moscow. Despite widespread condemnation of Russia's war on Ukraine, Europe remains heavily dependent on Russia's energy. What about any of this sounds like a win for Ukraine, for the global communists, for the international community and for the fake president? None of it is a win in any way. The only way they describe it as a win is intentionally misstating what Vladimir Putin's goals are. They told us that Putin was going to sack Kiev on the first weekend. That was the end of February. Two months ago, they told us Putin was going to sack Kiev. And Putin hasn't tried to sack Kiev. Not once. They didn't repel the invasion. He just wasn't doing it. These people are just lying or just stupid. It could be either. It's probably both. Now, changing subjects without a segue. This is from today in Newsweek. Twitter doesn't seem to know how many people are using it. Twitter's last financial statement highlighted one of the key problems Elon Musk will face if he takes over the social media platform. The company doesn't seem to know how many people are using it. In its first quarter results for 2022 released on Thursday, Twitter went into detail about its metric of monetizable daily active usage. In a section titled MDAU recast, The company explained that in March 2019, it launched a feature that allowed people to, quote, link multiple separate accounts together in order to conveniently switch between accounts. And if you are a Twitter user, you are very familiar with that feature. If you had multiple accounts, you could simply log into all of them from the same computer or the same mobile device and you could just swap between the accounts easily. The company said, quote, an error was made at the time such that actions taken via the primary account resulted in all linked accounts being counted as MDAU. This resulted in an overstatement of MDAU from quarter one 2019 through quarter four 2021. So for nearly three years, The situation was, if I had five different Twitter accounts that I had signed into at some point, they were all linked in my personal Twitter app. Every time I sign on to one of those accounts, it counts as all five being daily active users. Even though it's just one actual user using multiple accounts or using only one account and just having other accounts. Twitter provided revised figures from the fourth quarter of 2020 to 2021, but not 2019. It said that the figures before quarter four 2020 were not available due to data retention policies, but that they would be of a similar magnitude. This isn't the first time that Twitter has failed to accurately convey its user figures to investors. Back in 2017, the company admitted that it overstated its number of users for the previous three years by counting users of third party apps into its total monthly active user count. Again, this reduced the figures by around a million or more. The 2022 recount reduces the MDAU figure by around 300,000 in the US and around 1.9 million globally. This represents less than 1% of the previously stated total. And that's Newsweek doing you the favor of reminding you that this really isn't a big deal. Overall, the MDAU figure for U.S. users was $39.6 million for quarter one, up 6.4% compared to the same period of the previous year. The 2022 quarter one financial statement also showed that the company made an operating loss of $128 million. However, Musk hasn't previously been worried about loss making businesses. Tesla only recently became profitable. Musk's concern with Twitter has been ostensibly about free speech. His interest in Twitter has caused a huge uproar among his critics, as well as being welcomed by various prominent figures who have returned to the platform, such as Tucker Carlson. Truckers for Freedom, which was banned from Twitter, reopened its account earlier this week. Musk recently pointed out that various prominent people on Twitter barely use the service, although Musk himself has been a consistent tweeter, often getting himself into trouble over controversial statements. Twitter continues to trade around forty nine dollars per share below the purchase price of fifty four twenty. Now, it's amazing that they say Elon Musk has been getting into trouble for his controversial statements. Isn't that an unbelievable way to describe something about the real world, the richest man in the world has been getting into trouble, which means that angry communists make a big deal about what he says on Twitter in an attempt to silence and then cancel him. That is what getting into trouble means, except he can't get into trouble because he's the world's richest man and he's literally buying the platform for now. But having angry communists get mad at you, that's the new definition of getting into trouble. And if you get into trouble, well then you must be a bad person. So the monetizable daily active users of Twitter is 39.6 million in the United States. About one of every 8 people, if we accept the population figures, which I do not. But one out of every 8 Americans is using Twitter on a daily basis. So that's about 12% of the country. And about 10% of those people are the ones creating almost all of the content on Twitter. So 12% of the country are daily active users. 10% of them create almost all the content. Well, that 10% of the 12% represents 1.2% Of the entire American population, that's who's creating the political narrative on Twitter. (laughs) The 1%. I remember when the communists used to not like social situations that benefit the 1.2%. Where is Bernie Sanders? Where is Occupy Wall Street? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Wall Street runs Twitter. And Jack Dorsey basically said that a few days ago. I think he said it was his biggest regret about Twitter is that Wall Street basically ran it. Now, if Wall Street basically runs your platform, what does that mean? Well, you can buy ads on Twitter. You could conceivably pay influencers to say certain things. You could give them some information about events in the world or financial transactions. They could run out to Twitter. They can help shape the public narrative and make it more possible for events in the world to reflect what Wall Street wants them to reflect. We are very conscious of how the media uses Twitter to disseminate a false narrative about politics and culture. But you have to think beyond that. Twitter is a tool for changing the collective mindset for the benefit of whoever's creating the narrative on Twitter. And currently, the most powerful people in the world are the ones actually doing that. It seems like it's our friends and neighbors and the very famous people that we take all our ideas from. It seems like it's always natural, but it's not. They're basically running a commercial for their agenda all the time. And it comes from all sorts of directions, so we don't notice it. And now Twitter is once again caught overinflating its actual. User numbers to make the service seem more valuable than it is. Now, a couple of days ago, I shared an article from Breitbart detailing how the UK had announced to Elon Musk that no matter what happens with Twitter once he owns it, he's going to have to abide by the UK's laws, their censorship rules, in order to do business there. And if Elon Musk's Twitter won't abide by all of the censorship rules of the UK, then they declared that Twitter will be fined every day they choose not to abide by those rules. But that seems pretty unenforceable unless they want to take away access to Twitter from the citizens of the UK. And it remains to be seen whether they would actually attempt to do something like that or not. But what I said on Tuesday was that They are having their information weapon taken away from them. So they're going to try to figure out how to make it unusable for anyone else. And that's where the governments come in. And yesterday, Alejandro Mayorkas announced that there was going to be a disinformation governance board, legitimately an Orwellian Ministry of Truth, as Orwell described in 1984. And we'll get more into that in just a second. But here is a statement put out today from the U.S. State Department. This is Antony Blinken's organization, the Declaration for the Future of the Internet. The Internet has been revolutionary. It provides unprecedented opportunities for people around the world to connect and to express themselves and continues to transform the global economy, enabling economic opportunities for billions of people yet it has also created serious policy challenges. Globally, we are witnessing a trend of rising digital authoritarianism where some states act to repress freedom of expression, censor independent news sites, interfere with elections, promote disinformation and deny their citizens other human rights. At the same time, millions of people still face barriers to access and cybersecurity risks and threats undermine the trust and reliability of networks. That's pretty amazing because the United States is first and foremost among these countries enacting digital authoritarianism among its citizens. Well, maybe the CCP might still be a bit ahead of us, but I'm not sure. Digital authoritarianism, where some states act to repress freedom of expression, censor independent news sites, interfere with elections, promote disinformation, and deny their citizens other human rights. Literally every single one of those things is what the global communists have done with our social media companies in this country to us. Again, I have actual documented evidence through a judicial watch FOIA from last spring that the California secretary of state's office targeted a post for deletion through a portal with the social media companies and the PR agency that worked on Joe Biden's presidential campaign, they had a post taken down where I was talking about my experience with my voter registration in California. I personally have been censored by these companies in coordination with our government, our illegitimate government, But our government, nonetheless, in direct violation of the First Amendment and Anthony Blinken, one of the people who is actively involved with the regime that does this is pretending that it is a problem elsewhere. This is a problem created by the global communists, the Democrat Communist Party and their rhinos who enable all of it. Democratic governments and other partners are rising to the challenge. Today, the United States, with more than 60 partners from around the globe, launched the Declaration for the Future of the Internet. This declaration represents a political commitment among declaration partners to advance a positive vision for the Internet and digital technologies. It reclaims the promise of the Internet in the face of global opportunities and challenges presented by the 21st century. It also reaffirms and recommits its partners to a single global internet, one that is truly open and fosters competition, privacy, and respect for human rights. A single global internet, one internet, everybody just has access to that internet and no other internet, and we will all make sure that everything on that internet is censored properly. There will only be approved information on that internet. That is the world they want to create. This declaration represents a political commitment, a political commitment, which means that the United States has led or is partner to this coalition of 60 partners who are all agreeing to censor their citizens. And you have to assume that's according to the same guidelines. The declaration's principles include commitments to protect human rights and fundamental freedoms of all people. Well, sorry, you're already violating them and you're suggesting that you will be violating them more because this is only censorship and there's nothing else that it is. They are not protecting anyone on anyone else's behalf. They are protecting the global communist agenda. And that is all promote a global internet that advances the free flow of information. Okay, or well, advance inclusive and affordable connectivity so that all people can benefit from the digital economy. Oh, yes, this is when we have to understand that poor black people somewhere can't get the Internet. Therefore, we need to empower an international agency to redistribute resources to corrupt regimes around the world who will then redistribute those resources to NGOs where none of the money will ever be seen again, and they'll need to make sure not to fix the actual problem, because if they fix the actual problem, then the money stops. Promote trust in the global digital ecosystem, including through protection of privacy. And you got to understand the digital ecosystem makes you think of the environment. And the environment makes you think of health. So the censorship is really about health and the environment. And then it's okay. Protect and strengthen the multi-stakeholder approach to governance that keeps the internet running for the benefit of all. Wow. Well, that's just putting it all right out there, isn't it? Multi-stakeholders. That means the tech companies get a seat at the table. The international organizations, they get a seat at the table. All these different countries with a powerful faction serving the evil twin, they get a seat at the table and they will make decisions for all of us because if they get to make decisions for everyone, that's how it's equal. That's how the internet will exist for the benefit of us all. A multi-stakeholder approach to government. Why would we want the government of the United States to be using a multi-stakeholder approach on how to censor our speech in violation of the First Amendment. Why would any American want that? And of course, no American with a fully functioning adult-sized brain would want that. But of course, that's not what we're dealing with in mainstream culture. We are dealing with communists who have child-sized brains. And in their child sized brains, they think that the global government deciding how to censor us is necessary because of disinformation and it's necessary to eliminate disinformation because if the disinformation was all gone, well, then we could inject everyone with the experimental gene therapy and then we could steal elections forever and no one would be able to do anything. We could invade countries on behalf of actual Nazis and redefine Russia as the Nazi country. We could do all of that as soon as the global government tells us what we're allowed to say. Hey, fake president, you swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Nothing about that primary mission is served by allowing a global government to decide what we're allowed to say and read online. In signing this declaration, the United States and its partners will work together to promote this vision and its principles globally, while respecting each other's regulatory autonomy within our own jurisdictions and in accordance with our respective domestic laws and international legal obligations. Oh, what a bump in the road that will be. You can imagine hearing the corrupt invalids in the Biden administration telling us, well, we need to bring our speech standards into alignment with the global community. It's 2022 after all. And they'll describe it that way to make the United States seem somehow backward. Free speech is part of a bygone era. That is what they would like us to believe we've discovered, we've discovered that the health of the public conversation really does need to take precedence over what people believe are their freedoms. That's the same logic we were told about wearing masks that don't work. Over the last year, the United States has worked with partners from all over the world, including civil society, industry, academia, and other stakeholders to reaffirm the vision of an open, free, global, interoperable, reliable, and secure internet and reverse negative trends in this regard. Under this vision, people everywhere will benefit from an internet that is unified, unfragmented, facilitates global communications and commerce, and supports freedom, innovation, education, and trust. And at the bottom of this press release... They list the countries, which I will actually go through, because I think it's worth it to know where the evil twins power of that faction actually exists around the world. But below that, they have an open call for participation. Hey, get on board, guys. The declaration remains open to all governments or relevant authorities willing to commit and implement its vision and principles. Contact the nearest U.S. embassy, mission, or representative to learn more. And here we go. Here's the list of countries whose evil twin faction is willing and happy to sign their citizenries up for global governance, deciding what they're allowed to say. Albania, Andorra, Argentina, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria. Cabo Verde. No one even knew that was a country. Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Dominican Republic, Estonia, the European Commission, Finland, France, Georgia, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Jamaica, Japan, Kenya, Kosovo, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Maldives, Malta, Marshall Islands, Micronesia. Moldova, Montenegro, Netherlands, New Zealand, Niger, North Macedonia, Palau, Peru, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Senegal, Serbia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, Taiwan, Trinidad and Tobago, the United Kingdom, Ukraine and Uruguay. So, hey, commies, good luck with that. Let's see how it goes. So let's go to the Washington Times. This is today. DHS created disinformation governance team to police election misinformation. The Department of Homeland Security has created a disinformation board led by a woman who has criticized First Amendment rights and dismissed troubling reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Trump campaign ploy. Nina Jankowicz. Has been on the job for a couple of months, but Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas only revealed the disinformation board's existence this week in testimony to Congress when prodded about what his department is doing to help minority communities combat election disinformation. Isn't that amazing? The government led by the fake president, Joe Biden, who was mentored By a grand legal and exalted cyclops of the KKK, Robert Byrd, that was his political mentor in the Senate for over 30 years. Joe Biden gave the eulogy at Byrd's funeral. The same Joe Biden who wrote the 94 crime bill, the bill that is kind of universally agreed to have decimated urban black communities, the same Joe Biden who filibustered A George W. Bush judicial nominee who was a black woman and on a fast track to being a Supreme Court justice nominee. The same Joe Biden who said, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. The same Joe Biden who is only in the office of fake president based on his party's decades long history of stealing. The votes of black Americans, that Joe Biden has opened up a ministry of truth so that black people don't get fooled about elections. Hey, child brained Biden voters, thanks for solving racism. You finally got it done. It's so incredible. We're going to elect Joe Biden to solve racism. Trump's racist. And hey, I wouldn't have to make fun of these people if they weren't so dumb and weren't such liars. Sorry, that's just how it goes. The goal is to bring the resources of the department together to address this threat. Mr. Mayorkas told lawmakers, this is the same Alejandro Mayorkas that has spent all of this morning, pretending that he is actually doing his job, he is testifying that the border is under full operational control and it is operating according to the laws of the United States when it very clearly is not. And he knows that the episode is actually late today because I was watching a bunch of the clips from this hearing and I posted a bunch of them. But if you want to get all of them, you go to Carly Bonds page on Telegram. All this stuff is up in the info stream. T slash I'm your moderator. But if you see Midnight Rider channel, you can click over to that. And she has all of the GOP members questioning Mayorkas. And you can see what an absolute evil little monster Alejandro Mayorkas is. He's almost worse than Anthony Fauci. Homeland Security described the board's expansive duties, saying it will combat the wide swath of disinformation in the immediate term. Its focus will be on disinformation surrounding Russia's invasion of Ukraine and on the messaging smuggling groups are peddling to would be illegal immigrants, the department said. But the broad scope of its purview and the appointment of Ms. Jankowitz as its lead have raised questions about the board. Senator Marco Rubio, Florida Republican, called the board a speech police, and that will probably be the end of Marco Rubio's efforts against this because Marco Rubio is a dyed-in-the-wool rhino communist, and Marco Rubio's day of exposure is surely coming. Laura Reese, a former Homeland Security deputy chief of staff and director of the Heritage Foundation's Border Security and Immigration Center, called the board an overtly political ploy, to try to chase opposing viewpoints from the political debate ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. The left can no longer use COVID restrictions or now seemingly Twitter to mislabel and hide legitimate information American voters should have in casting their ballots. Instead, they are standing up this board to declare what the left believes is mis or disinformation. Ms. Rees said she also said policing disinformation is not remotely the mission of the Department of Homeland Security. The disinformation board isn't Mr. Mayorkas's first foray into policing information. Last year, he told Congress he was working with the education department on a program to help young school children spot when they're being fed dangerous misinformation. And whenever these objections are brought up, hey, Mr. Mayorkas, you evil little troll. This isn't your agency's job at all. Well, that's when they just say, well, we're just following an interagency process. And of course, what that really means is that the fake administration has all of these deranged dystopian goals, and they're going to try to use the power of each and every federal agency to get their goals accomplished, no matter whether or not it's outside of American law. That's exactly what they did with the vaccine mandates. Of course, it was outside of American law, which is why they don't have the mandates anymore. Same thing with the mask mandates on airlines. They couldn't mandate masks everywhere. So they used the power of the Federal Aviation Administration to enforce a control guidance that was ostensibly, but not actually about health. They will do whatever they can to enact their agenda because they can't pass any of it through the Congress and Senate. Why? Because they weren't elected and the people don't support any of that. They don't care. They'll do it even if it's illegal because they know they can affect the desired outcome before the courts stop them. In his testimony, Mr. Mayorkas said the new board was being led by Robert Silver's undersecretary for policy and Jennifer Daskall principal deputy general counsel at Homeland Security. Homeland Security then revealed it was being led by Ms. Jankowitz, and Mr. Silvers and Ms. Daskell were co-chairs. Strange that Mayorkas didn't say that in his testimony right up front. He was asked about it today and he admitted that she was the executive director of the disinformation governance board. Ms. Jankowitz has been a fellow at the Wilson Center working on Russian propaganda efforts. She has also been an advisor to Ukraine. And by the way, today, Joe Biden asked for $33 billion more for Ukraine, $33 billion more. And they also announced that some of that money will go to combating Russian disinformation and propaganda. And the only way to combat things that they call disinformation is to censor them and to propagandize themselves. And they have propagandized themselves and they have admitted it. That is what it is when the Intel community is putting out declassified information to the American public. That isn't true. It doesn't matter whether or not they later say, oh yeah, well, we just told you all that stuff because we thought it would get Russia to stop doing the stuff they're doing. Nope, it's just hardcore propaganda. In 2020, as explosive reports of President Biden's son's laptop roiled the presidential campaign, Ms Jankowitz told the New York Daily News she thought it was disinformation spread by the Trump campaign. New reporting by a number of news organizations has since substantiated the authenticity of the laptop, which was first reported by the New York Post. And just to be clear, and Washington Times should have been more clear, there was never any point where Hunter Biden's laptop was actually Russian disinformation, and there was no point where there was any evidence that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's laptop was not just recently authenticated. Hunter Biden's laptop has been real the entire time, and people knew it. They had vetted it before that story ever came out. The only thing anyone cites to even make the claim that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation is a letter from 50 former intelligence officials, all of whom are career liars and all of whom continue to lie to the American public on behalf of the global communists. Ms. Jankowitz has just published How to Be a Woman Online, a book about facing internet abuse and harassment. She detailed some of the unsettling and creepy messages she has received since she has become a public figure making television appearances Oh, gosh, how does she get through it? Ms. Jankowitz, a prolific tweeter, confirmed her position in a post Wednesday, insisting that she isn't a threat to robust speech and that a key reason the board was created was to protect free speech, privacy, civil rights and civil liberties. She made that declaration after posting her official photo, which she told Twitter users she did to grab your attention. And if you want to know more about Ms. Jankowitz, there's a great article from Natalie Winters in the National Pulse today. The headline is Ministry of Truth. Joe Biden's new disinformation board director is a Ukrainian government advisor who was pleased by the censorship of Hunter Biden's hard drive. I would recommend this article to everyone. I'm going to share some of it with you just from the end. Jankowitz has singled out stories about Joe Biden and his son's ties to Ukrainian energy company Burisma, claiming that malign actors like Russia are relying on an increased use of information laundering to deliver foreign disinformation. Perhaps the most well-known example of information laundering and one that this committee knows intimately is the nexus of conspiracy theories related to Ukraine and vice president Joe Biden. These unsubstantiated and misleading narratives promoted by self-interested and corrupt individuals seeking power and personal gain were endorsed by the president's advisors, treated as facts by portion of portions of the media and legitimized within the halls of Congress. She continued, referring to the claims about Burisma, the Hunter Biden laptop and Joe Biden's corruption in Ukraine. All of this was just an exploitation scheme. The claims were unsubstantiated which now just means that the communists say, hey, you're not allowed to know that. Let's cast some doubt on that. And then the claims become unsubstantiated. Well, who's really to say who's right and who's wrong? I mean, yeah, one side has all of the proof and we'll talk about it endlessly in any forum with any, anyone and share all the proof so that everyone can see it actually is true. But the other side, well, they have the television. And until the television agrees with the evidence, well, the evidence just isn't evidence. It's just an unsubstantiated claim. And if you believe that claim and then follow that claim to its logical conclusions, well, that means the claim was misleading. See where you ended up. You ended up believing that Hunter Biden is a criminal pervert who's selling Joe Biden's political influence all around the world, including to our foreign adversaries. And and we can't have you reaching that outcome. So you were misled. Individuals that serve as sources for these theories have since been discredited, sanctioned and revealed to have active connections to Russian intelligence services, despite not providing the identities of any such sources. She also calls for increased content moderation from social media platforms, lamenting how, quote, they allow the organization of these groups without any oversight, end quote, speaking in reference to the individuals, many of whom are federal agents involved in the plot to kidnap Michigan governor Gretchen Whitmer in addition to calling for more state-funded journalism in the United States which Jankowitz euphemizes as investing in journalism as a public good she has also pushed for a federal oversight agency controlling content moderation on social media platforms and i've mentioned many times how calling a news organization from another country the state media is the way they strip those news organizations of any potential public trust from Americans. Now, I am not here to say that I support any state media anywhere. I'm saying that they are using a double speak definition of what state media is, and that's obvious. These are people with a legitimate state media that promotes their agenda all day long, And they're saying that they are concerned about the state media of other countries while they are also trying to create a bigger and more powerful state media and censor independent citizens and citizen journalists. Now, a friend of mine who is on our team, but very, very frustrated, as I'm sure many of you are. She said yesterday, she joked, is this the sort of thing that happens with the patriots in control? Now, patriots in control isn't a phrase that I often use. It is certainly a Q phrase and a phrase in the Q community. That is not why I don't use it. That's just not exactly what I consider to be an accurate depiction of the situation. And I would have this conversation with any Q follower And I think that we would probably agree about almost everything, but I don't believe that everything is exactly scripted or that the good guys are controlling the entire battlefield. I believe there is a controlled demolition of the global communist order, and I believe that they have gamed out all of the possible reactions from the global communist order. The global communist order tells us their plans all the time. All you have to do to respond to that is create plans that counter their plans. They tell us their plans. It's not hard to see what they're going to do. And they have no choice but to tell us our plans because they need to get the public to believe everything they're saying because they know that normal people would never accept any of the stuff they're doing. So all of that can be countered and countered effectively. I also don't think that the global communists are in control of the narrative any longer or else their poll numbers would be rising. People would be agreeing with their plans rather than being repulsed by them. And I also do not believe that they are in control of the timeline. Their timeline has been sped up if by nothing else than the fact that Donald Trump was in office for four years, thwarting all of their plans To the extent he could. So however much power still remains in the global communist order, it's not as much as they planned. Again, these are plans that span years or decades. When things go wrong, they can't just flip everything around and adapt. Their plans have to work more or less as written, and it all requires the public to go along. It's failed over and over and over again. But specifically regarding this ministry of truth, yeah, this is exactly the sort of thing I would think we would see from the fake administration in response to what is going on right now. They are failing across the board. This is something that they need out of desperation. This isn't an actual power move that they will somehow execute flawlessly and get their way. This is literally the sort of thing You think about happening in a dictatorial banana republic right before the dictator is captured and killed by his own men. When I see stuff like this, I don't think, oh, no, the communists are going to stop us from talking now. I think you've already tried this on us a bunch of times and it hasn't worked and you've already tried it historically a bunch of times and it hasn't worked. The difference is this time you created all the technology and thought you had planted all the right seeds that you had conditioned the public to their fate. But they failed at that, too. That's why they're acting out of desperation. This regime is flailing. They are out of control. They are totally incompetent and they are being exposed in their incompetence more every single day. I understand the frustration. I understand the idea that it's all taking too long. But again, there are two goals here, not just the one. Everybody wants to see arrests. Everybody wants to see Joe Biden taken out of office and Trump put back in. But those are only events. The number one priority is the awakening people learning what has happened and what has been done to them so that they seize back the power and never let it go and they pass these lessons onto the generations to follow so that none of them ever allow this to happen again either. We're not just going to let the Nazis move to some other part of the world as they did after World War II. We all have this image that the Nazis were defeated and then they just disappeared. That's not what happened. The global communists just moved them to America and Argentina and other parts of South America. We brought them into our own agencies, into NASA, because we said the science was so important. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, the Nazis are bad, but we need them to build rockets. Don't you understand science? There's no going back to sleep. There's no being coaxed back into believing the central narrative. It's over. More people are leaving it every day. These lessons must be passed down through the generations. This job has to be finished. And it has to be finished without causing a civil war in America which is why they didn't finish it last January. And if that answer doesn't work for you, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Would American life have been more comfortable for the last 15 or 16 months? Hey, maybe, maybe in certain instances, maybe, but probably not. The political environment in our country would still be insane. All of this progress that we're making in waking people up, well, that wouldn't exist. We could continue trying to tell the world what the Democrat Communist Party actually stands for, but they wouldn't be able to see it. They wouldn't feel it. They wouldn't genuinely understand it. And if some upsetting situation had happened, if the military kept Donald Trump in office, for instance, which by rights, they absolutely could have done. okay, by rights, they absolutely could have done that. And Donald Trump knows it. And the military knows it. Donald Trump has no doubts about the election being stolen. They tracked the damn thing. They know the election was stolen. Does Donald Trump seem like the kind of guy who would walk away and just feed America to the communists and wolves? I don't think so. You might think so. And if that's what you think, then you don't agree with me. And that's fine. But doing that would have almost definitely triggered a civil war. And you can know for a fact that the international community would have announced that America is under a coup. Maybe we need UN peacekeeping forces. Maybe we need the CCP assets. And I would suggest to you that that may be the worst of all outcomes. That outcome was avoided. We are on track to be able to wake up the 85 or 90 or 95% of this country that will be necessary To keep that 5% of lunatics in check and to keep an eye open for all of this so that it doesn't happen again. The goal is not the particular event. Getting Anthony Fauci removed from NIAID does not solve the problem. It only solves a mid-level problem. Getting Trump back in office solves a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve the whole problem. Stopping the immigration on the border solves the problems, doesn't solve the whole problem. The whole problem only gets solved with the awakening. The awakening is the goal. Ridding this country of all the corruption without starting civil war. That's the goal. That goal gets accomplished through the awakening. All of those lower level events that fall under the umbrella of the great awakening, those are secondary to the awakening Those all happen as a result of the awakening, taking legitimate power back for the people, having legitimate representatives in our government. That's how it works ultimately. So when they start a ministry of truth and the entire country begins a conversation about Orwell and censorship as the Twitter thing is going on, I mean, this is in response to what's happening in the real world. This is a desperation response to what's happening in the real world. We should see it as such and be happy that this is speeding along the awakening. Okay. The awakening is the goal. Things that get us there faster, full public knowledge, avoids a lot of the bad outcomes. The more their plan is sped up, the more their incompetence is shown to the world. The more their incompetence is shown to the world. The faster the awakening comes. And at that point, the problems can be solved. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic, and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'mYourModerator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and Bitchute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel-couture.